Maggie Millard from Kinexus, coming to you today with a blog post called How PDSA Could Have Prevented the Muslim Ban Fiasco, written by friend of the pod, Mark Jabin. If you liked today's episode, please find us on iTunes and rate and review the show. It really helps other people to find us so that we can continue to spread continuous improvement. All right, let's dive right into Mark Jabin's post. Wow, the daily lessons served up by the current political climate in the United States just keep coming. I'm quite certain nobody intended to help us gain these insights, but why bypass the opportunity? So here we go. Some people call their improvement cycle PDCA, as outlined by Walter Schuhart, while others refer to it as PDSA, as evolved by W. Edwards Deming. Whatever the terminology you use, people often forget that this is a cycle. We write it in a linear fashion because that's the way our language operates. P stands for plan, right? But stop and think about it. Is plan a noun or a verb? Is it a plan or to plan? This makes all the difference in understanding the cycle. So if PDSA is a cycle, where does it start? According to the article Retranslating Lean from its Origins, the actual Japanese figures used for what we call standard work make it clear that the intent is not to start the improvement cycle at plan, but rather, we should be starting with study. This makes a lot of sense if you stop to consider that nobody actually concocts a plan out of nothing. Any plan starts from some issue, problem, dilemma, or conflict. Think about your organization. Someone has identified unacceptable circumstances, however that's defined. Some amount of information has been gathered, either by studying the situation or, more often, anecdotally. Based upon this information and that degree of study, people decide to act and establish a plan. What exactly they're going to do about it. We don't really start at the plan, we really start at study. This distinction is critical in keeping the cycle of PDSA turning, because starting at P leads to some unintended consequences. This is no more true than when the issue is a dilemma and not a problem. What's the difference between a problem and a dilemma? A problem has a solution, and if you apply that solution, the problem goes away. Think, stuck with a flat tire, you replace it, and now you keep going. A dilemma has no such solution. Rather, it's a balancing act among valuable but competing options. Starting with a plan that is somebody's idea about what to do, and then studying the result might work, but what happens when your notions of success differ, when different people value options differently, or when their check, the standard used to evaluate for success, is based on different criteria. Each party comes up with a solution to the issue that addresses their definition of success and failure. This leads to differing ideas about what will work and what results in what I call dueling solutions, as each party defends their own plan. This quagmire is a certain dead end to nowhere. What if plan is really a verb? Study and act are now integral parts of the planning that goes into your subsequent plan. The question then becomes how much planning? Too much is a waste of energy, because there's no way to anticipate all the unintended consequences and unexpected results lurking inside even the best devised plan. It's impossible to know what actually works until it's put into action. You have to actually try it out to find out, and that's the beauty of PDSA, Continuous Improvement, and Kaizen. This provides a platform and a safe place to try, to learn and evolve before fully committing to a choice that turns out to be misguided. But that means the plan has to be tried. In the book Drive, author Dan Pink looks at the social science research around motivation. He finds that it revolves around three elements. Purpose, which is a reason to act. 
mastery, or the ability to act and desire to be better, and autonomy, the time and space to figure out how to act in the service of the purpose. No one would expect you to feel good about running a 30-foot waterfall in a kayak if you've never developed the skill to run a 5-foot drop or taken the time to scout the rapid and decide on the best line to take. Even if you had a good plan, you probably would not proceed without a good reason to do so. In other words, you would not be motivated to participate in the act if there had not been sufficient planning so that you could accept the risk of negative outcome, while still feeling reasonably confident the outcome you were hoping for would happen, the fabulous feeling that comes from achieving something challenging and worthwhile, success, however that's defined. People don't believe enough in the possibility to invest the energy to find out. Does this sound familiar? Having said all this, let's look at this presidential directive, the Muslim ban. The word ban is defined in the dictionary as stoppage, suppression, prohibition. On its face, it doesn't imply a time frame. Whatever the official document says, the administration's explanation and language did not clearly spell out their intention, given the campaign rhetoric. That ambiguity left the plan open to various interpretations by people according to their own worldviews. For many, the directive was not compatible enough with their notion of a successful solution to the problem of safety and security. In their view, the plan failed to acknowledge all the risks in what is really a dilemma. For them, it would never get a try. This was a classic mistake of starting the cycle at P and then working backward to defend that choice, rather than starting at S and doing the right amount of study to conceive a plan worthy of being tested. The administration viewed plan as a noun rather than plan as a verb. Their plan was implemented without the extreme vetting it needed to be seen as a viable enough option. Whatever S or study had taken place, it had been used to justify the plan, rather to inform it. What a difference it would have made to start at S. So the improvement cycle was study, act, plan, do. Careful analysis first to be sure the plan would be acceptable enough so that people would see it as something worthwhile enough to invest themselves in and be willing to participate in working through the iterations on the path to reveal an ideal change. Such study would have made it obvious that the word ban needed some clarification. Did ban meet everyone? What about green card holders and people who would risk their lives to support U.S. troops? Would it even result in more safety or less? The funny thing is that the president's first mention of such a ban during the campaign intended for a moratorium while the country figures out how to refine its vetting to be more effective. That sounds like PDSA to me. This would have allowed the cycle to keep turning and working toward a more workable solution over time. But did it require a ban to do this sort of review? The president, however, made a campaign promise, used the term ban, and boxed himself into a corner. This is what happens when you treat something as a problem with a simple solution, when it's really a dilemma whose resolution requires the balancing of many valuable but competing perspectives. And that leads to the issue of losing credibility when the cycle goes awry. As it is now, having started at P, the noun instead of P, the verb, we are again bogged down in dueling solutions. Each party believes they know what is right and is defending their own view. On all sides, brains are processing what they believe and concluding their way is the only way. The brain attempts to carve a path through the unknown by forming a story to explain the circumstances using preconceptions and past experiences, deciding on a choice that best fits their story. But in failing to acknowledge that there are other valuable perspectives that matter, the brain runs the risk of starting at P, the noun. Differing concerns lead to different stories, and that results in conflict, resistance, and dueling solutions. Misguided choices abound. 
Sound familiar? But that's not even the worst of it. The more each party pushes their agenda, the less credibility and trustworthiness they are seen to have by those who are trying to convince and those who see the issue differently. As we have seen in previous posts, credibility trumps reason. You may have the perfect answer, but if others don't believe you have their concerns and success in mind, then nobody will hear or trust what you say or do. No one will give your plan a try. The administration had to backtrack and try to define the terms. It's not really a ban. It doesn't apply to green card holders. They had to try to adjust, which is fine. After all, that's part of PDSA. But they paid a huge credibility price for not having tested and vetted their plan sufficiently enough before going live. Starting at P, the noun, carries a real risk to your credibility. Not doing your due diligence at S really limits the ability to lead. Your credibility really does matter. So what to do? When faced with dueling solutions, pounding away at your choice just does not get things moving forward. Oh sure, you may get your way, but the price you pay in credibility and slow implementation will all but derail your intentions down the road. How much planning is enough? Not too much, not too little. This is a dilemma, but there's a guidepost along the way. It's called the shared outcome, the notion of success that everyone does agree with. Although not always obvious, it certainly does exist. Maybe that's your organization's mission statement. Maybe that's what everyone agreed to work toward, but has gotten lost in the logistics and details and agendas. This step alone will surface the misunderstandings and semantics and definitions, demonstrate an interest in other viewpoints, and get the ball rolling on track. Shared outcome first. Study, adjust, plan, do. That is the art of the deal. Focus on the shared outcomes and trust that options will emerge. There are always options, we just can't always see them, and we're certainly blind to them when stuck in dueling solutions. I'll go out on a limb and say that everyone in the United States and around the world wants to feel secure. Everyone can rally behind safety. The question is, what plan best balances all of the risks in trying to achieve that? Whether you agree or disagree that this presidential order represents an ideal change, I think it's safe to say that the controversy surrounding it has limited its utility and diverted attention and energy away from the intended goal. And what I can also safely say is that getting there is not a problem with an easy solution. It is a dilemma, like so much of what you confront in your organization each and every day. I hope you liked today's episode. To find more like it, be sure to subscribe to the podcast or check out the blog at blog.kinexus.com.